0: Welcome to the Better World of Work podcast by Talent. I'm your host, Ian Tyler, Talents Group Chief Strategy Officer. Today we're going to be talking all things modern leadership and modern work with Mark Kruth from Atlassian. So this morning, I am talking about modern leadership in a modern world with modern companies. So Let's have a a little dig deeper into what that really means. So leading modern organizations is so much more than allowing work from home and flexible work policies. Um, But what else is required for leaders and people within companies to either stop doing or start doing? Um, I think a really interesting quote from today's guest could be as simple as things like, make meetings suck less. So Mark, welcome, and let's have a conversation about modern work. And what does all this
1: mean? Ian, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And uh, your your question around modern work is is one everybody has. Like, what is what does this modern work even mean? And you know, in my currently at Atlassian, I hold the title of modern work evangelist. And and what does that mean? It means I, I'm going out there and talking about how do we get work done today. Uh, I think one of the things prior to the pandemic, one of the things that many of us observed was there's a big hype around what's the future of work look like? How do we think about like, what's going to be like in 2030? And then of course the pandemic hit and it showed us that none of us knew what we were talking about. Mm, We all kind of had ideas and, and then all of a sudden it says, Hey, we've got a different plan for you. And the thing is, is we got thrust into the future and it was a future we weren't expecting. Mm. And that's exactly, you know, again, we can guess all we want, but modern work is going to be then saying, well, cool, we're here. What do we do now? What do we do in this age and and that's where for me i think one of the big things is and i've always done throughout my career so i've spent my career focusing in on what i would consider the pragmatic things we can do to get better modern work when you take off the the window dressing it's Mm -hmm. all about how do you how do you get a little bit better in the current situation you're in and that goes back into that idea of like how do you make meetings suck less because guess what meetings have sucked since You know, 1950s, whenever the idea of a meeting came around, let's get better at that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you you touch on a whole range of things there. So I wouldn't mind uh, picking on you a little bit in terms of how how does Mark or even anybody who's listening to this become a modern work designer and an evangelist, certainly within what is one of the most globally recognizable um, software companies like Atlassian. I mean, tell us about
1: your journey. Uh, it was, it's, it's kind of been interesting and it's almost like, I don't know, it is one of those like pinch me moments where I'm like, am I really doing this right now? You know, like, this is cool. (laughs) Like I I never thought I would get here because I'll tell you what, I started out my career back. What was that? Uh, 12, 12 and a half years ago. I get, I came out of university (laughs) and I started going through and trying out some different jobs. I actually started working as a programmer. Uh, did a little bit of programming tried out a few other things like project management ultimately i found a love for what we would consider agile software development so in that realm one of the things i found was that in agile we focus very much on how do we work together how do we collaborate to solve problems rapidly you know prototyping you know iterative design these sorts of things i just i absolutely love the the atmosphere it created and how we can actually solve problems versus letting things just build out over time And so what I, from those early days, I spent a lot of time working with different organizations around the country and specifically in the US, but also places around the world, helping them think about how do they work a little bit differently from a technology perspective. And so one of the things that uh kind of i started using early on in my career was was atlassian products you know it was one of those things where i think it was back in like 2010 i remember using jira with greenhopper you know trying to help my my agile teams do things just a little bit better and so as i continued using and i always use product you know atlassian products to kind of help me do things a little differently really what i did is i try to use it to help me be more efficient with some of the things yeah I knew I could apply my practices to it. Now, how do we get a little bit better? Fast forward a few more years. I spend my time. I found myself at Atlassian, again, dream job. I was working with large enterprises to help them think about how do they work differently by applying some of our products mm-hmm. and really trying to solve the enterprise problem. But the one thing I always had a passion about around that I, I s- still felt there was a need for was this idea of how do we... How do we apply the way we work to things like the tools we work from because what is it uml creator greedy bosch has this great quote that says a fool with a tool is still a fool and it couldn't be <laughs> you know couldn't be more true i mean i see yeah. I, I hear absolutely. the last you were like oh yeah. i get that you know yeah yeah
0: absolutely right
1: yeah yeah and, and, and so for me it was like, how do we focus in on some of those practices? And so for me, one of the big things has been is how do we find new ways to unlock those practices in teams? And the best way I found to do that was, let's go talk to them about that. Let's actually go, and then once we've gone through the practices, then let's start layering the tools. All of a sudden, I start talking with some of the folks internally, and they're like, hey, yeah, this sounds, this is actually an area we want to invest some time in. Mm. And over the last six months, I actually worked as what we consider, what we're calling this new part part of Atlassian called the team doctors, yeah. we're very focused on how do we work with our customers to think about practices, and then from there, I said, hey, I want to go talk to more people about this. And yeah. so, uh, my my new boss, Don Price, was actually looking for some people to help with that, and I said, Yes, I would love to go out there and start talking to some of our customers. Yeah. I love to go out there and start talking to others about. How we apply practices out there so that you know long story short, it's been a whirlwind of a journey, and for anyone who listen out there that's like, "How's your path to get to that?" There is no path. My path was follow my passions, what got me up in the morning, and then just keep following that and yeah. it was amazing what new places I went to along that journey yeah
0: so do you think um, and this, this is where it gets interesting for me because there is no path. Mm -hmm. um that that is well trodden um and you know and dom's path to that was almost Mm -hmm. like an accidental um, experiment as well um does it mean that organizations need to think like this more broadly to give people the opportunities to take those paths and stumble across something because that requires a little bit of leadership and management bravery um,
1: 100, and you're exploring
0: a little bit of the unknown, and um, yep. and I find it interesting because if it's a if it's a new role for an individual and a new kind of venture for an organisation to then start to evangelise and go out and speak to other organisations, it's like are we all feeling around in the dark, or are we all quite comfortable that we kind of know where this thing is going?
1: Uh, you know, and it's interesting, I'd love to hear what what you've seen out there too. I'll say that one big piece that I've found is in some of the companies I've worked for, very structured in terms of like what, what your job is. And I think one of the things I've seen and I've worked with organizations that I help do and Atlassian is really good at is this idea of let's talk about what skills you've got and how do we want to develop those skills. So it becomes less about a title. And yeah, I've got a title. But it becomes a lot more about, hey, what are you good at? What do you want to become good at? You know, like, one thing for me was always, honestly, I always loved, uh, I fell in love with things like public speaking back, you know, six years ago, and so I found myself in a in a role where I'm like, all right, what are the skills I bring to the table? And all of a sudden they said, all right, you know, love for practices and process, love for speaking, love for just trying new things, a lot of exploration, a lot of curiosity. They said, hey, you know what? We have a need over here that needs some of these skills you interested in doing that those are how i've seen a lot of people start falling into roles here because we've very much focused on less of like i need a project manager three and more of i need someone who's going to be very astute and knowledgeable in this space yeah. And so that, that has been super beneficial for us as we've started to grow really large to think about less, less about the titles and more about the skills. What, what about yeah. you? What have you seen out there, Ian? What have you done in your organization? Yeah, I,
0: and I think it's a, it's a fantastic um, way to look at things. And firstly, w- what do I see is um, exactly what you've just described, it's organizations are now turning on to a skills force rather than a workforce. Right. So, of course, we need humans um, by and large to come and still do the job, certainly as it relates to human engagement. Um, certainly, the way that people are thinking about um, outputs rather than managing the individual contribution per se. It's about what mm-hmm. are they doing? What are they forming? What are the teams they're forming part of? And therefore, they're hiring for that skill uh, taxonomy more so. Uh, Than probably the last five years. That's certainly mm-hmm. something that's occurring. Overlay the job title with that, all of a sudden, you put the box in and around that skill base, which is really interesting as a, as a notion because, certainly, as a global technology recruitment business and services organization that we are, um, our entire taxonomy of recruitment is wedded into job family skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we recruit software engineers with a particular programming language so there are those boxes that people have to live in or do they you know and there's a the question is that right. is that is that a modern structure um and, and and i'll flip the question back to you which is so uh, if throughout your path of evangelism and the organizations that you're now talking more to and about these things what are you seeing what What outside of Atlassia now in the kind of bigger, broader world are are companies really turning on to this?
1: So I think some companies are. Some companies are still trying to, are struggling, you know, to kind of find their way. I think one of the big indicators that at least I've seen that's been drawing towards this is things like a lot of people of course are are moving to new jobs a lot of people are looking for their you know what's the next thing because maybe they're lacking uh fulfillment in their current work or maybe just not engaged in what they do and it has to do with the fact that they took a job that was a role and not uh, a passionary not a skill set for them Mm. so a lot of companies are starting to say well what are the skills that we need Versus just that job title. Now, the interesting thing, and I'd be, it, and this is where like you think about like modern recruiting and talent and those sorts of things. The whole area of like jobs, titles, family, like job families, that is ingrained in that in that industry. And so, mm. it's very interesting to watch, you know, as whether it be internal recruiting groups or external recruiting groups try to figure out how do we. How do we play here? And again, I, I don't think anyone has truly solved it yet. Lastly, we still use titles. But what we do now is when we have those conversations with a, with a candidate, we're starting to talk a lot more about, you know, what are the things that, you know, we think that is needed to be successful here with them. We're talking about what are the things they bring to the table versus like, do you have experience in A, B, C and D, you know? We really want to understand what drives their passion, what skills they're trying to develop versus what do we need and and using, you know, current infrastructure as a mechanism to get there, but really trying to drive the conversation a little differently. So Mm -hmm. I think that's probably where we're still at the cusp of some of that. You know, we're still got to, it's going to take a while, but it's how we, you know, I like to use the word intent, how we intentfully look at those conversations when we're starting to talk to candidates, as we're starting Mm -hmm. to go through and say, hey, it, do we want to bring someone here who's looking for a title? Or are they trying to be here because they want to do a really cool job? Mm. Uh, that
0: it, it leads me into one of the things that I know that you 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 talk about externally and internally with with Atlassian around um, holocracy. So if Ooh. you think if you think about that in the context of what we're talking about around skills and teams and job titles. and all that, that kind of stuff. And then you think about the system of holacracy, uh, which obviously, I mean, and you can talk about this better than I can, but that kind of decentralized leadership and kind of um, self-organization. I mean, how does that all fit together?
1: That was a really interesting one. And I I am a big fan of these ideas of like self-management and like you said i've talked about it a lot and i think when we think about like what is the future like what is things like how we bring someone into an organization or what is like my role now if all of a sudden now we're self-managing we're decentralized there's no longer levels that's actually something that at least in holacracy based structures or sociocracy or what have you one of the big things they focus on there is that kind of self-identification. What do you want to be? What is Mm -hmm. that self-definition of that? Uh, And so I think and I'll be honest, somebody who is looking for a title, they're going to struggle in a holacracy based environment because it really is about how do we collaborate together versus how am I climbing a chain? And so it's I think the future of like something like a holacracy, those sorts of areas, it's a little bit of a utopia it's a little bit of a thing that says hey if i'm going to put that little bit of my brain that's that's very selfish you know the what is it the uh i forgot what it is but that part of the brain stem that's like hey i gotta be selfish and look out for myself mm. if i can put that aside things like holocracy work out really well but the thing is is eh, we are we're, we're bags of emotions you know we we make <laughs> irrational decisions you know it's it, it's one of those things where it makes it very difficult to hit to that utopia but I think things like Holacracy and others can give us some really cool road signs for how do we start yeah. maybe working a little differently. And that goes into things like, hey, maybe my maybe my job title isn't as much of a thing. Uh, instead, maybe I need to say a great example of a company who does some self-practice areas uh, or self-management kind of things is a Morningstar. Uh, tomatoes out of the U.S. and one of the things they do is they they create these ideas of clues, or colleagues' letters, a colleague letter of understanding, and what it is, it's basically me saying to my colleagues, "This is who I am and what I bring to the table for us this time." Like something like that is like, "Oh, that's revolutionary." I don't have to go whole holacracy or anything, but I, if I put that in place, talk about changing the mindset around what my role is in an organization Mm. talk about my ownership at that point so i don't know what have you you talked to people who played with the holacracy what have you seen as you maybe nibbled on that that idea out there especially in the talent space
0: yeah and and do do you know what I, i go back to something i mentioned before about bravery Um, Mm. I I think there are are, are many organizations. I mean, the whole Holacracy concept is not a new thing. It's been around for a while, but it's the the experiments that organizations have done, much like, um, you know, the the introduction a a, a number of years back now uh, with the concept of the four-day work week. Um, And if you think about that in its kind of looser construct, you could say, well, there's essentially a a degree of holacracy that relates to that because there's self-organization, there's internal social contracts, there's, you know, having expectations on one another, but essentially the people within the team and or the construct or the business unit self-organizing and holding each other account to, to outputs, as opposed to a physical presence in an office on a certain number of days, etc. So we're seeing organisations certainly in the um, um, Asia-Pacific region um, mm-hmm. le- leaning right into that. It's not necessarily a new thing in the US and across the UK and European markets in which we operate. It's really starting to, to, to be adopted, those types of things. So I think that would be my vantage point that I've got um on that um
1: but the the thing that's a really interesting piece too is that that aspect of like the practices you're talking about like some of that decentralization like to me I think those are the biggest things to pull out of that you know it's like how do we how do we get you know how do we release some of the power back to the teams to allow them to help kind of figure out what's going to work best for them? Whether I'm a knowledge worker sitting at a desk somewhere with a bunch of people, or I'm working on assembly line, you know, manufacturing X kind of products, the more I can figure out, hey, you're closer to the work, you know the work, I should let you make decisions around some of the work as long as you have that intent in mind. Yeah, that that's to me, like what we how we get to things like, Ultimately, what does the future of an organization look like? It's those little practices in there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the I would say, by and large, um, I, I have this sense now, post-pandemic, if I'm able to kind of say that in inverted commas, um, that organizations, irrespective of industry and sector, are more open to um, experimenting. Um, mm-hmm. And and I feel that organisations are now in a situation where they're much more inclined to give their people a bloody good listening to, um, and then acting on some of that stuff, and and that's really encouraging. So. Um, you, you know, one thing
1: I want to I want one thing that's interesting with that, is, mm. and I, it's based on I was doing some research recently around things like engagement mm. is that one interesting thing a lot of companies are finding themselves into. And I think at this point, to your point, they're learning to experiment quickly and they're learning to listen to their people. But one of the things that we're still we're still seeing some problems around is this idea of I have listened to you now. What like and mm. what am I doing about that? And so like you're actually starting to see We've been climbing in like employee engagement for the last, you know, 10 years. And just this last year, we saw the first dip in a long time. And Mm. and it's attributed to the fact that we're like, we've asked people. And that's, that's the thing. We've asked people, step one, good. Step two, we do something about it. We're starting to struggle because we're we're not we don't know how to act. Uh, How how do we? They say we need better uh, clarity on our work. Well, crap. How do we do that? You know. And I think that's something where like the new organ the modern organization has to get their hands around that. How do we? How do we both talk, but then also do Do. at the same time? Mm -hmm.
0: So so let's unpack that a little bit more because I think that for me is really where that's where the rubber hits the road. It's it's <laughs> like run an engagement survey as you say, um, mm-hmm. great. We're really engaged now, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Go <laughs> go us. Here's the pin of honor. Um, do we get a cup with that? I mean, what would well, now? Yeah. No. Right. Do we do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 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 the notion of that and, and leaders out there that may be listening to this um, and it has happened in other podcasts where people have reached out and asked to be introduced to. You know, different people that we, we we've had on the podcast, and it's like I'd love to get ten minutes for that person. Can you do an introduction or whatever? Um, and people get really intrigued by not necessarily the what; it is more the how. Um, yeah. And I'm not asking you to give away the keys to the kingdom here, but more about like what are you seeing in some businesses that are doing the listening well of and applying the change or applying the modern work thinking or
1: practice
0: around experimentation.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it goes one of the biggest things I've seen out there and one of the things we encourage out there, like part of the practices that we are, I, I'm out there talking about with companies uh, is something that we, we do at Atlassian, which is really cool is, you know, we, we do these engagement surveys. So even at Atlassian, we do a monthly engagement survey, kind of understand, you know, hey, how are things? Where are you struggling? Where are you not? And our management teams get that data. And so one of the big things that we try to do and our management teams have been really fairly good at this is going out there and saying, all right, we don't have to solve this for your whole organization. But, hey, you know, Mark, you're you're a manager of these 10 people. Go work with your people to figure out what's one thing you can change. And, you know, based on that feedback, I think a lot of times what I've seen is that all of a sudden you get this, you get that first survey back. And it comes with like a big old list of like here, they're struggling here. All oh, things are great here, but you could use some improvement here. And it's almost this you, you almost kind of get paralyzed. Being like, do I got to do all these things? When instead we say, no, no, you, this is you, just like we would do in software teams. We're going to retrospect. We're going to find one item and guess what we're going to do. We're going to try an experiment around that. And so one mm-hmm. of the things we've encouraged our, our leaders to do, we've encourage our customers to do. And you're starting to see this with customers is they're taking that data And now they're doing you know again these small experiments you don't have to change your business overnight kind of thing be like well crap we've got to fix the engagement so we've got to introduce x new practice across everybody and so giving teams that ability and you know to actually do those small experiments has been huge and the Mm. thing is is we have to be able to then go in and give the, those those leaders the essentially the autonomy to go change some of those things and really think about, again, what's in their sphere of influence? What can they do to help their teams? And mm. so that, that I think that's been a big thing we've done, like whether it be things like um, one thing we ended up doing was we... We ran an engagement survey uh, here at Atlassian with a number of teams. And after that, it says, you know what, we need to dig deeper. And so they would go in and they would run things like our health monitors uh, that we have at Atlassian. It's on our playbook. And so we'd run a health monitor. And then we say, all right, based on that, looks like, you know, we're really struggling here with maybe some shared understanding or maybe we're, you know, some of our rituals are out of whack. And then they say, okay, let's go and let's like one of my favorite things to do is let's do a ritual reset. Let's take a look at our meetings and figure out what's working, what's not. And. And all of a sudden, what was a problem, what was causing us to maybe not feel so empowered, about an hour and a half later, now we're like, oh, cool. We, we could change something. That's kind of novel. Mm. So I, I think that's mm. the biggest thing is small incremental changes that the team feels yeah. that they can own. So I, what, if, mm. uh, what are some of the things you do, you do in, in, in your organization to kind of help with that kind of thinking of engagement thinking of how do I own that improvement?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question. So we, the, the rituals that we have and, you know, unashamedly, um, the pandemic pushed us to be a much better communicator as an organisation than we were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that unashamedly because I think um, the truth will be said of, of many organisations around that. Um, so communicate, communicate and listen um, and then do and um, um, so our, our, our global CEO, Mark Nielsen, has been phenomenal at that, where he runs rituals. It's all hands meetings every two weeks. There is a, <laughs> a real cadence around that. And then there's a lot of change within those types of uh, meetings. So as you don't always know exactly what you're going to get. So there's an element of insight, mm. surprise and those ty- which actually mean that, you know, when you jump on the Zoom or you're in a room, the crowd is always big, um, and it's yep. not just because, you know, it's our CEO talking. It's because sometimes that's where you're going to get some information that you ain't going to hear. You're being about really otherwise.
1: intentful about those meetings, right? 100%. You're being you're like, hey, we, we need to be able to add some of that that whimsy, but we also need to make sure, it, you know, it's communicating something. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes something like that super successful. Instead of just saying, hey, we're every two weeks we're having an all-hands meeting, join, and we'll share you some information. <laughs> you, you're very intentful with it. I love that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you you know, one of the other things that, um, again, we've spoken about on this podcast before is about the art and science of communication, which is meeting people where they're at, consuming information, how they want to consume it, getting the right medium to make sure that every pocket of the organisation is aware um, and actually wants to participate in those types of updates and collaborations and so on. Um, But that's an example. Example of, of some of the things that, that we've done. And I know for a fact, from speaking to the organizations that I do, that every organization is changing the way that they communicate and collaborate. Um, you know just for example this that we're doing now you're in detroit in the u.s i'm in sydney mm-hmm. australia um we're having a conversation about modern work about you know really blowing up this concept of future of work it's now it's real that whole kind of notion of future of work kind of is a little bit irritating because um, everyone got it wrong um, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um that, and, and that's why I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by by the work that you do and and you know this conversation more so. If I if I may indulge myself and, and jump a little bit into um th- this this notion of um future work again, but in terms of leadership, um and I touched on before about bravery, um and leaders being brave to take these experiments and do new things. What are some of the things that? outside of the the rituals and the kind of communication that we we kind of have to constantly evolve it's never done it's just a constantly mm-hmm. evolving be what are you seeing organizations do better?
1: I think one of the big things and I think it goes back into actually the concept of leadership is really focusing on what leadership should be versus what it has been. A lot of times organizations have found, especially, you know, pre pandemic, you know, you would take someone who is an expert doer, they want to, they want to rise up the ranks, all of a sudden, cool, I'm going to be a a people leader. And the thing is, is when we were all together in one place, somebody could play people leader. But then through osmosis, you know, all in the one place, you could kind of have your people development happening. You know, I remember I had leaders like that in the past that were very much expert doers. They didn't really focus on my development, but I had some really great team members that just working with them helped me think about my development. Well, now fast forward, everything's remote for a few years. And now I literally have a person I'm talking to you know, about my development, about where I'm trying to grow, what I'm trying to do. And so what it's really done is it, it kind of pushed that concept of What is what is actually a leader's job Mm. to the forefront? Because Mm. you know what is it? What's the age old saying? You know, people don't leave companies; they leave leave bad bosses. And so, Mm. as people have started to find, especially giving giving being given some ability to now be a little bit more mobile than they used to be, with you know being able to be remote in jobs, also seeing things of like what could what could I be doing out in the world to make an impact now. People are asking hard questions to their leaders, being like, "How am I making an impact? What's my, what am I trying to do? How I, I want to talk about my well-being. I want to talk about how how our company is, you know, trying to change parts of the world." Managers have had to really step up their game to actually think about, "Do I really want to do this job?" Because again, beforehand it was cool. That was how I raised up the ranks. Now. That leaders looked at for a lot more, really looked at it for things like how do we develop people, which honestly is what leadership always needed to be, but mm-hmm. struggled to get there. And so I've seen a lot of companies, Atlassian included, we doubled in size over the last two, you know, two years. Um, we had to put a big focus in on how do we develop our leaders. You know, how do we? We're bringing up a lot of new people. How do we? How do we do that? Because we realize that folks are, you know, these folks who are coming into these spots might be really good at their job but in our world it doesn't matter that much that you're really a really good software engineer my best boss i have had in in a very long time is was my first one here at atlassian he told me when i remember joining he says i have no idea what you do you know like i really don't understand you know a lot of the enterprise agility space and 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 things like that but i do understand people and and my goal here is to help you be as successful as possible I mean, talk about a, you know, a glass of, uh, of nice, you know, refreshing water right there. I mean, tell me about it. Right. And so those Absolutely. are some of the things that you're starting to see people try to focus on developing. What is that new? How do we develop that leadership muscle in, yeah. in, in these new leaders?
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, because, you know, there is also this uh, this notion out there, certainly in organizations. And, you know, I, I, I think I'm I'm one of them personified in, in terms of my role at Talent. But there are there are leaders out there that might necessarily be, uh, mightn't necessarily be the best software engineer, but leading a software engineering group because they are amazing leaders. But conversely, mm-hmm. the opposite can be true, which is they're an amazing software engineer, but they're mm-hmm. really a really poor people leader. But because mm-hmm. they're brilliant at the software engineer, the old structure has said, well, we need to promote them through the ranks, and therefore. Mm-hmm. They hold this title back to the thing that we were talking about before. And it's like, well, actually, no. Um, can we just not do that anymore? Because you're absolutely right. You know, we it you've got to have the right people, and therefore the the learning around leadership needs to evolve mm-hmm. and change. And you know, th- that that's complicated. Um but oh, is it? it? Is. Yeah, but but is it? It's like the notion mm-hmm. of it's quite simple. Mm-hmm so you know it's simple but not easy
1: well it goes right back to our first conversation first part of the conversation around skills versus titles and it goes back to this whole piece where you know a lot of times like if we dissect the problem you know we think about it it's like all right cool you know people want to grow in seniority they wanted to maybe make more money they want to do these things and you know where we're, the only option for that was before management that's okay that's i I hit a ceiling now i have to climb this part of the ladder i don't want maybe don't want to but you know what there's there's a bit of me that i want to you know i want to continue to grow and so for us many organizations have to think about how they reinvent that and it doesn't necessarily mean saying create a technical track for folks now this goes back down to the skills development start focusing on what kind of skills you want to and, and reward for things like you've been building mastery in these areas awesome you know, if you're a master across these six different skill sets, that might represent something where, hey, maybe now you get a pay boost or something like that because you're becoming an expert who can then go out there and grow others uh, or something to that effect. That's where I think we can reimagine some of this without saying, "Well, mm-hmm. the only pathway is here," because there's some people I know that absolutely are amazing people leaders that you know what they were that they were destined that that path. Like those are the skills they're really good at: their empathy, their collaboration, the communication. Uh, and then there's folks who are really good at like the, the technical angles or what have you. And so how do we lean into what people are passionate and good at, and then help them self-identify where they want to grow?
0: Yeah, you, you, you just rattled off a, a couple of competencies there around, you know, empathy and, and compassion and so on. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think um, you give me any good leader it, from history to, to now. I don't think those fundamentals have really changed. You know, Mm -mm. I find that really interesting, empathetic leadership, you know, people who can collaborate, people who can communicate. Isn't that just a really good hallmark of people being good leaders?
1: Oh, 100%. Well, and I think it's interesting is you have to look at two like the 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 second part of every leadership story i think i think that's the big thing so you look at like the success and the thing is you're like oh wow that was a great leader there and then you look at you know and then what happened next you know if all of a sudden you find cool we released this thing or we we do we did this thing and all of a sudden now like half our organization exited or things like that you can have these leaders who are going out there and they will you know, they will get people, you know, get things done through pushing people through walls versus lifting them over. And and I think it's, and I think that's one of the big things that we've got to always keep conscious of is like, How do we make sure that we've got, you know, that it's not just the end of the story of that success, but what happened later? Like, how do people now talk about it? And I think that's where Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny. Values in an organization is a is a great example of this. Is where values, you know, every organization has their values, you know, those things that they hold up and they etch on their walls, you know. But the thing is, is there's this idea of um, uh, aspired values and enacted values. And the idea of an aspired one is like, oh, I want to do that, but I don't have any good stories of it. an enacted one is like, oh, I have a good story about that. We have to have those enacted stories of our leaders to actually say, well, that was good leadership there. Because afterwards, we always like, here's an example of where that continued happening.
0: Mm. And organizations that celebrate those stories. Um, I think it is again it's starting to happen more and more and more the more like if if we take the banking sector you know what what 25 years ago may have been seen as stuffy and elitist and all the rest of it you know what they're coming back down to more tech scale up vibes to Mm -hmm. you know really kind of getting into this you know what we're good and we're celebrating these stories and we work with you know at the pointy end of what makes the world go round in terms of money and happiness and fulfilment and all these wonderful things. That's great. But that whole sector has changed so much to be um, an organisational structure that is now more reminiscent of tech scale ups and tech Mm -hmm. startups. And I find that really interesting. And they celebrate leadership stories um, in such a good way that I'm finding through different conversations more so than they have done in the last 25 years
1: and you know what the key to that is so there's one there's one word that i think is the key to all of that so what do you think it is there's one word
0: evolution
1: (laughs) i would put that right in there with it i was thinking of behaviors Mm. And, and it's that how do we change behaviors in our organization and honestly that's the game of modern work in my mind is behaviors how do we think about those things that we want to change in our organization because you know whether I flatten my hierarchy or whether I decentralize my decision making, if I don't change my behaviors around those sorts of things, the things that um, the the leaders, the the behaviors that my leaders demonstrate, and they share what they do, they share stories. It's things through like sharing those success stories of leadership is a way of expressing a behavior. And so mm. all of a sudden now, people are like, oh, cool, we promote this behavior. I like that. And and so now I do it, and then you do it, and then a bunch of us start doing it, and it beca- starts becoming part of what our company is known for. It's about our culture then. Uh, mm. And so for me, I, I find that, you know, modern tech's a great, uh, or mo- like banking's a great example where there was this aspect that they said, you know what, we are, we have to change the way we work. And it wasn't a agile transformation or a digital transformation that changed the way they work. What they ultimately ended up doing was saying, "Well, we have to treat, change how we react to things, how we how we treat our people around things, and what do we celebrate?" You know mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And all of a sudden, you see through those little things like that, organizations all of a sudden become like, "Wow!" You look at a at a bank, you're like, "You're a bank, like really?" You yeah. know, I, I'm actually working. Uh, I'm doing a talk with a group. Um, uh, they're a bank and one of the things they're doing is like they're doing a tech like an innovation week right now and mm-hmm. one of the things they did is they submitted they had this idea this portal to submit all these new ideas for like innovation within their tech space and they were only expecting like three or four ideas and they got 50 of them and, the, and that was a sign that the behaviors that they were trying to encourage around innovation was was actually working and it, because they were like wow people felt open they felt they wanted to contribute ideas versus just being like, all right, cool. There's just an option to do it. So I, I love seeing how those little things like that can kind of help feed the system and feed the the way an organization actually works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it nourishes the organization to go, yes. you know what? I'm going to put my hand up here. I'm going to give it yes. a go. I'll submit an idea, even though I might be doing negative self-talk and saying that's that's crap. That's not going to fly. But actually, you know, it's that behaviour. You're absolutely right that encourages that that transformation, and evolution, as a result of that. So, yep, um, yep, absolutely. Um, just um, conscious of, that we're kind of coming to the end of our time together, uh, Mark. And if there's um, a couple of takeaways that you would like our, our listeners to Kind of sit there and ponder on it and sit with the problem on for a moment. What what would some of those things be as it relates to future work and, and the context of our conversation that we've we, we've just gone
1: through? I think the biggest some of the biggest things that kind of come to mind to me are going to be some of those keywords that we've kind of thrown out throughout the day. Things like focusing on skills. You know, how do we think about what if you're a listener and you're thinking about your growth? You know, think about what do you want to master what are the things and what are the things you're okay with not mastering and determine how you want to get better at those things find Mm. someone who you feel is a master there and learn from them you know Mm. that's how we want to start thinking about our growth today as organizations out there are starting to think about how they get better intentionality thinking being very intentful about how you work how do you think about improvement you know we talked about the employee surveys how do you spend intentionally spend time doing changes and again you don't have to you don't have to make big changes it's like the old adage of you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time you don't mm. have to make everything better at once small things and then continue to iterate on that build a pattern build a, build a ritual around that and then i think you know this idea of behaviors and the evolution of the organization continue to keep that in mind people like as you think about it don't think about what you want to change in your organization Think about what behavior do you want to see enacted in your organization? Mm. If you were to if you were to stop and say like, all right, I would know my organization is growing and evolving if I witnessed this happen in my organization. What would that be? What would mm. and then what would it take to start moving in that direction? Mm. How would you how can you enact that behavior and start setting some of that example? So, mm. I think to me that's what modern work's all about. Is how yeah. do we do these little things today? to make tomorrow a little better because we know that, Hey, who knows what will happen in, in two, three years from now. Right. Yeah. We, we, I remember March, 2020, we all thought we had a plan. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and, And thank you for sharing that. And, and and that just kind of brings into focus for me i mean we have a a company vision which is empowering people to build a better world of work for all that's our vision mm-hmm. um and when i think about that we use this wonderful little an acronym called bwow be the better world of work and that's you know the name of our podcast it's that better world of work what what does that invoke in you when we think about well, what is what would one thing be for you that a better world of work for mark cruth is
1: hmm. what would that be I think to me, it would be looking at how do we see more experimentation and and more, and to your point earlier, celebrated experimentation. I think we're getting better at that. I think many organizations are starting to embrace it, but I think that's one of, that's going to be our, that's going to be the key for us in the future. Mm -hmm. How do we continue to iterate, experiment and be okay with, you know, not being perfect with things? And Mm. so a better, you know, a better ways of working, a better, you know, future of work is going to be one where we're okay with not getting the right answer at the right time. Because guess what? We can we can experiment again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark, I want to say a huge, huge, huge thanks uh, for your time um, and the investment of time that you've put into this. You've been exceptionally gracious and thank you so, so much.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I absolutely love this conversation. And to any of your listeners out there all want to continue this all feel free to reach out because uh, this is what we're trying to do we want to talk about what what is what does the work look like the next couple of years because that's where we can we got to strike where the iron's hot
0: yeah absolutely absolutely it's on the it's in the boardrooms uh, and on the conversations of every ceo and employee um around the world right now so uh mark kruth from atlassian thank you so much thank you all